Due to the graphic nature of this cult's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence, including violence against children, that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. When 37-year-old Wu Shuiyan stopped into a Shandong McDonald's on May 28, 2014, she was just looking for a quick bite to eat. But while she waited in line to order, a small group of people burst through the door yelling. They proclaimed that everyone in the restaurant was now a convert of their religion. The group cornered customers and demanded their phone numbers. They wanted to ensure all present would continue their journey to salvation through the Almighty God. When one of the men approached Wu, she refused to give out any information. He continued to harass her, grabbing at her, but she stood firm in her refusal. Her defiance infuriated the leader of the group, Zhang Lidong. He launched himself at Wu and began furiously beating her. When bystanders tried to help, Lidong's group held them back. They could only watch in horror as Lidong viciously stomped on Wu's head. Finally, the Chaoya police arrived and intervened. But before Wu could reach the hospital, she was pronounced dead. Lidong's statement to police would solidify the rumors of violence that surrounded the Church of the Almighty God. He said, quote, We give no thought to the law. We only believe in God. I felt good doing it. Hi, I'm Greg Polson. And I'm Vanessa Richardson. And this is Cults on the Parcast Network. Today, we're continuing our exploration of Zhao Weishan's cult, the Church of the Almighty God, also known as Eastern Lightning. We'll track how the group turned to violent tactics and the consequences for their members. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. We also now have merchandise. Head to ParCast.com slash merch for more information. You can listen to previous episodes of Cults, as well as all of ParCast's other shows, wherever you listen to podcasts. A new episode comes out every Tuesday. Last week, we explored how Zhao Weishan first established the Eastern Lightning Cult in the early 90s with his partner Yang Xiangbin. Zhao declared Yang to be the female Christ, but kept her secluded and acted alone as her mouthpiece to their followers. The cult primarily targeted middle-aged women for recruitment, many of whom felt undervalued and without a place in China's male-forward society. With the preference given to men, several women felt like a burden to their families. Eastern Lightning gave them a greater purpose, and the numbers of the cult swelled. This week, we'll track how Eastern Lightning members' fervor to convert new members escalated over time, and how some became willing to kill for their cause. We'll also discuss the difficulties in determining fact from fiction when it comes to stories about the cult. Eastern Lightning members attest that they are victims of a fake news smear campaign directed by the communist Chinese government, which they refer to as the Big Red Dragon. This makes it incredibly difficult for the world to discern what is actually true. According to the government, the Church of the Almighty God is a cult posing as a church. 
the cult describes itself as persecuted Christians. On September 6, 2000, Yang and Zhao fled China, fearing that the government would arrest them for leading a banned religion. They were able to seek asylum in the United States under laws that protect refugees from religious persecution. Yang and Zhao made no further public appearances after relocating. In fact, there's only two known photographs of either of them, and they were taken decades ago. In the States, they have since led incredibly private lives, seemingly separating themselves from Eastern Lightning. However, while they may not be publicly related to the cult anymore, following their arrival in the U.S., Eastern Lightning proselytizers coincidentally emerged in New York and California. They targeted Chinese-American and Korean-American populations in an attempt to establish American sects of the church. It's also rumored that Zhao continued to lead the Eastern Lightning organization back in China by sending funding and instructions to the highest-ranking members in the hierarchy of the church. These top-tier followers would convey Zhao and Yang's wishes to the rest of the pyramid. It's unclear if Zhao and Yang's followers were concerned by their departure in 2000. They may not have even been aware that the female Christ had left the country. The majority of Eastern Lightning members were intentionally cut off from outside information, forbidden to use cell phones, watch TV, or read any non-cult-related materials. Followers were also constantly warned that they were targets for the Chinese government. Zhao stoked their fears that without the protection of Eastern Lightning, the Big Red Dragon would arrest them in the middle of the night and place them in a labor camp. And if members tried to disassociate with the church, the Almighty God would immediately strike them down with a bolt of lightning the moment they stepped outside. This deliberate fear-mongering so effectively controlled the worldview of his followers that Zhao didn't lose an ounce of his influence when he moved a continent away. They followed his orders in absentia to the letter. Vanessa's going to take over on the psychology here and throughout the episode. As a note, Vanessa is not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but she has done a lot of research for the show. Thanks, Greg. Cult leaders are gifted manipulators. Margaret T. Singer, a professor of psychology at the University of California, said, Consciously and manipulatively, cult leaders and their trainers exert a systematic social influence that can produce great behavior changes. Zhao's followers, for the most part, policed themselves, terrified that any transgressions against Eastern Lightning would be instantly known by Zhao and Yang. And it turned out it wasn't the wrath of God that defectors had to be afraid of, but instead the retributions of other followers. Leaving the cult behind meant living a life constantly looking over your shoulder. In 2010, a young boy was murdered in Henan province. Police found a lightning bolt symbol on his foot, a common marking used by the cult. The boy's uncle was a member of Eastern Lightning who had recently expressed a desire to leave. Police believed his nephew's murder was meant as a message about the consequences of defecting. Perhaps to cement further control over his followers, Zhao revived his doomsday narrative. He had originally predicted the world would end in the year 2000. Of course it did not. In the year 2009, Roland Emmerich released the movie 2012. The plot centered on a theory that the world would end on the last date recorded in the 5,000-year-old Mayan calendar, December 21, 2012. 
The movie was extremely popular in China, grossing $70 million at the box office. In the months following the release of the movie, more and more speculation about the validity of the Mayan prophecy emerged from the general public. Zhao harnessed this curiosity and declared to his Eastern Lightning followers that the world was indeed going to end on December 21, 2012. They had to prepare immediately and save as many people as possible before then. His followers began frantically converting everyone around them. Not only was the members' evangelism an attempt to save the souls of their friends and neighbors, but the more converts they each brought to the church, the more favorably they would be seen by Yang, the female Christ, who controlled their eternal fate. Wei Guangzhang, a 30-year-old interior designer from Hebei province, recounted an interaction between Eastern Lightning and his mother from that time, saying, A few days before the 2012 doomsday, a preacher came to our house when my mother was alone, saying that the end of the world was coming and she had to join Eastern Lightning to be saved. According to Wei, his mom replied, I've arranged to play mahjong with friends and I have to go. I haven't got time to believe in God right now. One former member, known only as Mr. Tien, first heard of Eastern Lightning in the summer of 2012 at the height of doomsday preparations. A cult member joined his small home church and told him about her own religion, the Almighty God, and the end of the world. As Mr. Tien heard more details, he began to feel terrified of being punished if he didn't convert. He stressed how powerful the effect of the paranoia was, saying, When everyone around you is accumulating food and water, packing their houses full of survival supplies, it does things to your brain. It changed my perception of what was real. I had to follow what everyone else was doing. Harvard Medical School professor of psychiatry, John G. Clark, identifies this type of peer pressure as part of what keeps members locked in a cult. He says, quote, Our evidence strongly suggests that these individuals are succumbing to pressures within the cult milieu, pressures that can induce radical personality changes as easily in normally developing people as among disturbed ones, end quote. Mr. Tien was not the only person swept up in the 2012 phenomenon. On December 14, 2012, a week before the end of the world, a 36-year-old villager named Min Yang Jun attacked Chen Pang Village Primary School. He stabbed 22 children as they were walking into school for the morning. The child victims ranged from age 6 to age 11, and the lone adult was 85 years old. Most were slashed on their heads, though Min reportedly cut off the ears and fingers of some. Thankfully, all survived the attack. In a bizarre, morbid coincidence, the stabbing happened on the same day as the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Newton, Connecticut, where 20 first graders and six adults were killed. But there's nothing to directly indicate that the shooter was inspired by Min's actions. When Min was taken into police custody, he blamed his actions on the 2012 prophecy, and therefore Eastern Lightning. He wanted to save the children from the pain of the end of the world. But the cult insisted that Min was not a member. They accused the Chinese government of using this gruesome attack as a way to discredit them in the eyes of the public, opportunistically associating them with Min. Evidence to support the claims cult of slander might be Min's long history of epileptic seizures. According to a UCLA study, repeated seizures can change the frontal lobe over time, 
affecting a person's decision-making and their ability to regulate behavior. The same day Min attacked the children, he stabbed the 85-year-old woman who lived across the street from the school. According to the woman's daughter, Min had an argument with her elderly mother. He came to her house at 7 a.m. on December 14th, stole a knife from her kitchen, then stabbed her in the head. Afterward, he went across the street to the school and assaulted the children. The emotional argument suggests that Min's actions on that day could have been an impulsive spree. Whether or not Min was a practicing member of Eastern Lightning, he certainly would have been exposed to their doomsday ideas. They were pamphlets and proselytizers all over rural China, declaring that the world was going to end. Authorities strongly believed these theories contributed to the attack. In response to the stabbing, police arrested 52 Eastern Lightning members distributing pamphlets detailing the apocalypse. Leaders in the cult decried the arrests, suggesting that with the end of the world should come the end of communism. They encouraged the people of China to rise up and dismantle the secular Red Dragon government that had sealed their doom. Less than a week later, it was finally December 21, 2012. The members of Eastern Lightning celebrated their last day on Earth together. Nearly every store in Northeast China sold out of candles and batteries. A Chinese grocery chain held a lottery for seats on an ark. Several tweets declared intentions to default on credit card and loan payments. But to the surprise of China and the Eastern Lightning members, on the morning of December 22, 2012, the Earth was still here. Coming up, we'll see how the leaders of the cult regrouped after the second unsubstantiated apocalypse prediction. Now back to the story. Eastern Lightning leader Zhao Weishan had made his second prediction that the world was going to end. This time, he was inspired by the Mayan calendar doomsday prophecy and selected December 21, 2012 as D-Day. But the date came and went, and the world didn't end. To explain this, the leaders of Eastern Lightning told their followers that the Earth had been spared because of their actions. In the Almighty God's eyes, They'd done everything right, and it saved the world from a terrible fate. This response garnered one of two reactions in followers. For some, like Mr. Tian, the failure of the apocalypse broke some of the hold the cult had over him. He was suddenly aware of the many ways he had been conned by them over the past year and never saw the church the same way again. He now felt like the church was a sham. He admitted that many followers were only members because they thought they would be able to seek religious asylum in the U.S., like Zhao and Yang. He was also upset with the constant demands of leaders to donate more and more money. He was told the more money he gave, the closer he would be to God. Early in 2013, Mr. Tian defected. He moved away from his village and started his life over to avoid backlash from the cult. For other members, when God spared them, it only deepened their commitments to the cause. They believed the leaders when they said that their actions had directly saved the world from doom. But members were warned by their leaders that the end of times was still around the corner. Zhao insisted that they stay vigilant. Anyone who left the church now wouldn't be warned about the next apocalypse when it finally did come. They would be forced to face judgment without the guidance of the Almighty God. Demands for donations from members shot up. 
Those in the upper hierarchy of the church heavily pressured those on the lower end to give whatever money they had to the church. Anyone who refused was accused of not being loyal to Zhao and Yang. This continued fervor sent recruitment into overdrive in 2013. Members typically approached friends or already practicing Christians to recruit. According to a Protestant minister who had lost congregants to the cult, the group, quote, parses the meaning of each biblical verse and makes sure their messages are highly relevant to Chinese culture, so it's very easy for Chinese people to understand what they're preaching, end quote. They were able to show them the common ground in their religions first, before expanding on the more unique ideas, like the female Christ. One former recruit, who remained anonymous for fear of retaliation, was invited to her first meeting by a close friend. She recounted her experience, saying, quote, The strategy is to slowly draw you in. It's like taking classes in school. They told us there are three steps to believing in God. First, you believe in Joseph, then in Christ, then in the female reincarnation of Christ, end quote. She explained that even new members were encouraged to convert their friends and loved ones in order to avoid God's wrath. But after some time studying Eastern Lightning materials, she walked away from the church. She said, At night I would always feel scared when I was alone. She credited her ability to leave to her husband, who urged her not to continue her studies. But not all women who are recruited have such a strong anchor. A woman referred to only by her last name, Song, lost her mother to the cult, who had first joined during the 2012 doomsday preparations. Song described her mother as a happy and upbeat person until she joined Eastern Lightning. Song said, quote, When she went missing, I was about to give birth. How indifferent she became that she chose to leave home at that time, end quote. Several others have lost loved ones to the cult. In Beijing alone, an estimated 30,000 families have been affected. Peng Baoshon, a Shandong resident, was abandoned by his wife in 2014, less than a year into their marriage. Peng said, When I got home, I found our car there, all her clothes, her ID card, all her belongings, but she was missing. Peng described her recruitment by saying, They just want you to repeat over and over that you obey God, listen to her, and not fight back. And there are threats for those who think of quitting. After six months, a new member can be brainwashed. In addition to these accusations of brainwashing, the rumors of Eastern Lightning's violent recruitment tactics, including kidnappings, beatings, and maimings, re-emerged in 2014. A woman who ran a home church in northeastern China was first introduced to Eastern Lightning when a few of their members attended Mass. Fearing retaliation from the cult, she chose not to reveal her identity in the interview. It is a common practice for Eastern Lightning members to contact already practicing Christians to try to bring them into the fold. According to Dennis Balcom, a Protestant pastor in China, leaders of Christian house churches are offered huge sums of money, like... $25,000 to bring their followers into the cult. In this case, the anonymous woman refused the member's request to bring her house church to Eastern Lightning. She alleges that a few days after attending Mass, the cult members kidnapped her and held her captive for nine days. They refused to release her until she agreed to convert and that she would instruct all the members of her house church to follow suit. 
When she resisted, they whipped and beat her. Neighbors heard her screams and came to help. However, the Eastern Lightning members told them that there was no need to be concerned. She was a relative who was mentally unwell. Convinced this was the truth, they left. The woman said that she finally escaped by telling the members that she agreed to convert and join the church. Once they were convinced she was telling the truth, they let her go. She fled the village, and unfortunately, her kidnappers were never arrested. Eastern Lightning leaders continually dismissed these kinds of stories as rumors propagated by the state-controlled media to hurt the cult. This type of he-said-she-said made it almost impossible to determine what was the truth and what was exaggerated. However, we do know that the government was at least investigating the rapidly expanding Eastern Lightning. According to a report given to the U.S. Congress, a Chinese official named Bi Rongsheng oversaw an inquiry into the cult. Due to Eastern Lightning's intense secrecy and tendency to refer to all of their members by aliases, Rongsheng was not able to penetrate the higher tiers of the well-insulated organization. Even with this limited knowledge, he felt confident that the cult would disturb people's thought and seriously endanger the rule of the party. Rongsheng also expressed concerns that cult members had managed to infiltrate the social circles of party members. He worried that these members were acting as spies for Zhao and other higher-ups in Eastern Lightning. But what Chinese officials feared even more was the potential political influence that could be wielded by the reported one million church members if left unchecked. They had seen it happen before. In the mid-1800s, a rural Chinese man named Hong Shu Chan proclaimed himself to be the younger brother of Jesus. He amassed an army of millions of followers and led them in a revolution against the ruling Qing dynasty. The resulting civil war was one of the bloodiest conquests in human history. Death toll estimates range from 20 million to 70 million. The Qing rulers never fully regained their power after the war. It opened the door for the Chinese Revolution in 1911 and the later rise of Mao Zedong. And it made the current communist government incredibly wary of any rapidly growing extremist religious movements, especially those that called for the slaying of the Red Dragon. They had to be stopped. According to statistics published by the Church of the Almighty God, the government arrested 300,000 followers between 2011 and 2013. It would prove to be a minor dent in their ever-exploding numbers. By 2014, Eastern Lightning claimed to have 4 million active practitioners and no signs of slowing down. But after years of accusing the government of spreading rumors about the church, an act of public violence committed by the followers of the Almighty God would be so shocking, there was no denying it. On May 28, 2014, Six missionaries of Eastern Lightning stormed inside a busy McDonald's in Chaoye, announcing that everyone present was now a member of their church. They harassed customers, demanding their contact information. The cult often used this tactic so they could continually send messages to pressure potential recruits. When one of the women, Wu Shuiyan, refused to comply with the group's demands, she was attacked. An Eastern Lightning woman threw a metal chair at Wu with enough force to knock her down. The leader of the group, Zhang Ledong, charged at her in a fit of rage and stomped on her head. 
Other members started beating her with mop handles they'd brought with them. When onlookers tried to help, Lidong's daughter, Zhang Fan, prevented them from interfering. The McDonald's employees begged them to stop the brutality. Fan yelled back, Do you know who we are? Mind your own business. The police eventually arrived to end the violence, but it was too late. Wu died of her injuries. Ledong, Fan, and the four other members were arrested for her murder. The horrifying attack was captured by a few cell phone videos as well as CCTV. The recordings were uploaded and quickly went viral, garnering worldwide attention and speculation. At the center of it all was Eastern Lightning. What kind of Christian organization could justify this act of random violence? Even more upsetting, in the days that followed the attack, it became apparent that Lidong had absolutely zero remorse over his actions. From prison, he told the media, quote, She was a demon. She was an evil spirit. So I beat her relentlessly and stomped on her head with my heel. We give no thought to the law. We only believe in God. I felt good doing it. End quote. Lidong's loyalty to Eastern Lightning superseded all else, even another person's life. Stanley Milgram's research into obedience shows that often people exhibit no sense of guilt for violence if they feel they're obeying a well-intentioned authority figure. In Lidong's case, he was absolutely convinced that he had the right to murder someone if it served the Almighty God. His sense of empathy was overshadowed by a sense of duty. Much as they had done after the 2012 stabbing, Eastern Lightning denied any connection to Ledong and his group. They insisted that, quote, The case was full of lies and layered with dubious facts. The lies used to frame and entrap the Church of Almighty God are collapsing in on themselves, end quote. In the immediate weeks after the 2014 attack, police started arresting anyone associated in any way with Eastern Lightning. Dennis Balcom, an American pastor working in China, was arrested when the government suspected him of being connected to the cult. Balcom said he was, quote, detained by the Religious Affairs Bureau after a hotel worker reported our meeting. They sent a few dozen police to see if we were Eastern Lightning or not, but concluded that we weren't and let us go, end quote. Reports on the number of arrests in Shandong during the summer of 2014 range from 1,000 to 1,500. During this wave of persecution, Zhao reportedly sent 22 pages of instructions to the Eastern Lightning leaders in China on how to respond. He instructed members to go into hiding so they wouldn't be detained. He said, Everyone should keep hiding. If the situations in certain cities are particularly bad, you should hide in a neighboring city. He said that chosen ones should be ready to sacrifice their lives to kill the great red dragon. Coming up, the leaders of Eastern Lightning devise a plan to change their public image and expand their influence beyond China. Now, back to the story. In May of 2014, a brutal public act of violence perpetrated by members of Eastern Lightning drew the world's outrage. In response, Chinese police launched a wave of arrests, detaining anyone even peripherally involved with the group. Eastern Lightning members were instructed to go into hiding to avoid capture. In October, nearly five months after the McDonald's attack, Zhang Lidong and Zhang Fan were sentenced to death for Wu's murder. 
They were executed the following February. Another Eastern Lightning member involved in the attack was sentenced to life in prison. Two more were given seven and 10 year sentences. None of the cult members ever expressed guilt or regret over the crime. Authorities publicly labeled Eastern Lightning as an evil cult that cheats people, illegally collects money, and violates the law under the guise of religion. Eastern Lightning had long been at odds with the government, but the sensationalist nature of the murder trial and Ledong's lack of remorse turned the general public against them as well. In response, leaders of the cult instructed their members to go underground to avoid persecution. To continue their recruitment while scattered in hiding, Eastern Lightning teachers started using Skype to hold classes and communicate with new members, lowering the chances they would be exposed and captured. In addition, many fled mainland China, moving to other countries where they would be able to practice their beliefs in the open. Sects of Eastern Lightning appeared in Hong Kong and Macau. Though still geographically connected to China, both Hong Kong and Macau are autonomous from the Chinese government. Therefore, the church had more religious freedom in these cities. Kevin Young, the general secretary for Hong Kong's concern group on newly founded religions, reported that Eastern Lightning members visited nearly 500 churches in the city seeking converts. In 2015, Young estimated 2,000 practitioners in the city. The Hong Kong Eastern Lightning chapters were careful to distance themselves from the rumors of violence in mainland China. A spokesperson for the church stated, that's in China, we're in Hong Kong, so we don't really hear about stories like that. But they're just stories and could have come from anywhere. They went on to say, you've got to look at where these stories are coming from, from the government. And what is the government in China like at the moment? They don't necessarily always tell the truth about people. With the diaspora following the trial, the Church of the Almighty God also spread to South Korea, Spain, and the United States. Online Skype classes, which were first implemented as a way to continue their evangelizing while underground, became a useful tool in advancing global recruitment. Further embracing the modern age, the church launched a website for their organization in 2015. It included information about the church and its teachings. They also addressed their controversies. In regards to the McDonald's murders, they said, the government will always find some excuse in advance and fabricate things. Then they draw up some rumors as the basis for their attack and make false charges. And then they carry out their bloody suppression. The website continued, the government of the Great Red Dragon used all kinds of cruel means to suppress in a bloody way, making the country filled with rumors. The entire mainland of China became a world of terror. However, seemingly contradicting their denials of extremism, the website also has a list of typical cases of punishment for resisting the Almighty God. One of the subjects, a 55-year-old woman named Lee X, died after keeping Eastern Lightning members from proselytizing in her village. The website states that her vagina bled and discharged rotting flesh. At her funeral, Quote, when the people were putting her body into the coffin, a thunderbolt suddenly came from the sky and it flashed around in front of the funeral shed like a fiery dragon, end quote. The website also directs visitors to watch their several recorded sermons, movies, and musicals the church has produced since moving out of China. 
Because the mainland chapters of Eastern Lightning were forced to worship underground, in secrecy, their services were devoid of typical religious symbols and iconography. If authorities had discovered any paraphernalia relating towards a banned religion, the members would have been arrested. But outside of mainland China, members were free to express themselves. One of the results of this was a massive output of art production. The Church of the Almighty God released their first feature film, The Mission of Love, in 2015. The movie followed Lee Ma, a 16-year-old girl who loved Jesus but felt dissatisfied by the politics of her home church. Then she found the Almighty God. Overjoyed, she tried to tell everyone she knew, her siblings, her parents, her friends, but she was persecuted for her beliefs. Lee Ma left town on a mission to spread the word of the Almighty God anyway. Throughout her travels, she faced backlash from everyone she met, but she continued to persevere, eventually seeing her faith rewarded and the non-believers punished. The tagline for the movie stated, it's really glorious to be persecuted for righteousness. During their first three years in South Korea, the Church of the Almighty God produced 50 feature-length movies and musicals and 600 short videos. One former member, 19-year-old Xiao Man, said that while she was in Eastern Lightning, there were so many videos to edit, she didn't have time to sleep. If she stopped for even a few hours to rest, she fell behind in her duties. The extensive collection is still available to stream on the Eastern Lightning website all translated into several languages, and many of their projects have won awards in various Christian and humanitarian film festivals. Their 2017 documentary, Chronicles of Religious Persecution in China, was awarded Best Human Rights Documentary at the Mediterranean Film Festival Cannes and was an official selection at the Doctors Without Borders Film Fest, among other honors. In addition to filmmaking, members turned to painting as a form of religious expression. According to Eastern Lightning teachings, the presence of the female Christ on Earth creates unprecedented beauty that only her followers are able to truly experience. Their scripture states, quote, When people give great praise before me, I am exalted among all things, and thus the flowers on Earth grow more beautiful beneath the hot sun. The grass becomes more verdant, and the clouds in the sky seem more blue." End quote. With these tenets of experiencing beauty in mind, art production is a natural step for followers to take as a way of praising their God. Another piece of scripture reads, quote, "...this life, this beauty from time immemorial and forevermore, will not change. This is life in the kingdom." End quote. From 2014 to 2017, Eastern Lightning members in South Korea produced over 2,000 paintings. The paintings are never signed or dated. Some works depict biblical scenes, such as Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, discovering their nakedness. Others are scenes of nature, depicting the earthly beauty found through the Almighty God. These scenes mimic a traditional Chinese style in paintings of landscapes and foliage. One image in particular has become iconic in Eastern Lightning, it depicts Jesus knocking at the door of a home. The styling is modeled after William Holman Hunt's 1853 rendering of Christ, titled The Light of the World. The Eastern Lightning version is ever-present wherever their congregations meet. 
In addition to these portraits of beauty and serenity, Eastern Lightning artists also depict scenes of their struggles with the government. The Red Guards Persecuted Christians depicts a scene from the Cultural Revolution. It features a public stage filled with military officials wearing red armbands, all of them beating captive Christian practitioners. In front of the stage, a crowd of people cheer on the bloodshed. Today, the Church of the Almighty God and the government of mainland China continue to wage war. On July 31, 2018, four high-ranking members of an Eastern Lightning sect in Daqing were arrested and tried for using and organizing heretical religion. Few details were released from the proceedings, and none of the defendants were named in the coverage of the trials. But one was described as the leader of a large regional sect of the church. This particular set of arrests was prompted by an investigation into the organization that found over $20 million had been transferred from the Da Ching sect of the church to the U.S. from November 2016 to March 2017. The church did not respond to the accusations of extorting their members, continuing the narrative that these charges are nothing more than attempts by the government to discredit them. While authorities do what they can to address the growing power of the cult, with every arrest raid, the leaders of the church can continue their persecution narrative, deeper implanting the fear in their followers of the great red dragon. And as that fear grows in the membership, they cling tighter to the church for protection, engaging in extreme behavior to protect their beliefs, continuing the vicious cycle. After leaving the church, one follower said, the cult taught me to be indifferent to my family and to be non-human. All I want now is to stay with my family and make up for the pain I brought them." End quote. Thanks again for tuning into Cults. We'll be back with another episode next Tuesday. Some of you have asked how you can help the show. If you enjoy Cults, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. You can find Cults and all of ParCast's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or on your favorite podcast directory. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Cults was created by Max Cutler and is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Freddie Beckley. Cults is written by Mandy Bossard and stars Greg Polson and Vanessa Richardson. 